Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. And we have an esteemed guest with us today, Dr. Abbott. Welcome, Dr. Abbott. Thanks for Uh, coming. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Allie. Uh, Glad to be here uh, with the Oxford PT group. Uh, Been fond of their podcast and uh, being able to get good information out to patients. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's all about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we wanted to kind of... You know, a topic we've talked about total joints in the past, but we really haven't given any information on one of the big ones, which I couldn't believe, it, but it's total hip. Yes, Matt. Yeah, total hip is, is really one of the most common orthopedic surgeries uh, that we do for arthritis. Uh, it's actually one of the most successful surgeries done to all humans. If you if you take uh, even things that are done for like cardiac reasons or, or mm-hmm. abdominal reasons, uh, total hip uh, carries about a 95 to 98 uh, percent customer service satisfaction yeah. score. <laughs> uh, patients really do like what the surgery can do for them as far as improving their daily life uh, once they get to that point where pain is limiting their function. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard somebody upset that they got a new knee or a new hip. After yeah, they got it. That's true. I mean, a lot uh, hips, even more so than knees. There are yeah. still some patients who who kind of struggle through the knee process, but once they get to the other side of it, it's better. I find that the hip replacement patients really, uh, almost from day one, can feel a big difference mm-hmm. in how their their body's functioning and their pain levels have changed. Yeah, gives them ten years back. Could yeah. you could you even fathom to guess a number of how many hips you think you've done in your career? Gosh, yeah, we're you know we're well into the the mid thousands at this point. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, being being in practice for almost twenty years now, it's, yeah, it, it, it tends to add up over the. I years. I want to meet the person you did your first hip on. <laughs> <laughs> and well, did they know it was your first? Well, yeah, they did. You know, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, um, that's something that's it's been an evolution, right? So uh, yeah, the the practice of of hip arthroplasty has really uh, changed a lot in the past decade or so. We went from patients who uh, would come in, uh, have a surgery, being in hospital three, maybe four days even, and then they would go home, uh, probably do some physical therapy both mm-hmm. in the hospital as well as outpatient. Uh, some of them would even have to go to nursing facilities for yeah. an extended period before they could be back and independent in their home. And now, really in a span of basically 10 years, we've gone from that model to being able to have the surgery and get in a car and go home within three or four hours. That's wild. It's amazing to see. I mean, you know, like I said, you you know, over the last 20 years, the advancements. And I remember back to the days of the quote-unquote total hip precautions, right? And we were so worried about dislocation afterwards. And explain to the audience a little bit about where that came from. Sure. So a couple things have improved uh, that part of, of our worry, yeah. uh, so to speak. So the earlier hip uh, replacement uh, parts were actually the balls were smaller. So mm-hmm. it was easier for them to come out of the socket. And they just didn't have the materials uh, to be able to put a larger ball in there to reproduce the natural hip motion. So patients would get to a point uh, when they sat down or they flexed their hip beyond 90 degrees, it would put their, their ball at risk of popping out of the socket. That sounds so terrifying. And the other piece is, is exposure or how we get into the hip. So yeah. traditionally, 
Uh, hip replacement was done a lot through what we call a posterior approach, where we actually split your big gluteus muscle in your, mm-hmm. in your behind and uh, have to go in through there and, and cut more muscles behind the hip. Uh, so it led to some, some, some stability issues inherently. Those improved once you healed, but for the first six, eight weeks, patients were sleeping in beds with big pillows between their legs, mm-hmm. uh, had to watch getting up and down from a toilet or on and off of a chair or even in and out of a car. Yeah. Wow. Nowadays, with the larger uh, ball diameters and those heads for the, for the femoral side of the replacement, there's less risk of popping out either from a posterior or an anterior approach, but uh, another reason that I chose the anterior approach was the lower risk of dislocation simply because we don't cut as many muscles to get in there. In fact, we split most of the muscle uh, planes, so we go in between muscles mm-hmm. uh, and have a lot less soft tissue damage. Yeah, and I think wow. that soft tissue damage just speeds the recovery so much. I mean, I remember seeing folks that just you know, would struggle. They never got that glute strength back after the muscle was cut. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, some of the older approaches involved even making osteotomies, extra extra cuts to the bone where that uh, muscle attached. And that's a big part of your stability. So your yeah. ability to get up and walk, how long you really need things like a walker or a cane, are attached to your gluteus medius uh, muscle and its ability to respond. So going through an anterior approach, you have much less damage to that. Uh, you don't have to wait for it to heal. And... Uh, you can get that strength back and that balance and that stability and really have more confidence and less fall risk. Yeah. Talk about someone who's maybe having some pain, some arthritis, and they're thinking, well, I'm only X number of years old. I need to wait until I'm in my 70s or 80s to get this total hip. <laughs> sure. And and that was the, you know, the old standard in maybe the you know 1980s 1990s this was an old person surgery yeah uh, you had to basically be you know in a chair most of your daily life and barely getting around to have a hip replacement yeah nowadays uh, a lot of our joint replacements are done to maintain function so mm-hmm. Uh, we know that uh, our patients, even as we age, once we get over the age of 30, we start to lose muscle mass. So if you're not using it, you're losing it. And if you go through a process where you're starting to get hip pain, it's usually focused in the groin. That's most patients will come in with pain up in the front area of the groin. Affects them when they're sitting, going from sitting to standing. Certain things in their daily life, you know, things like golf, uh, mm-hmm. start to become a problem. Um, activities at work climbing ladders, climbing stairs, uh, getting in and out of a chair and in and out of a car. Once those things start to become impacted with pain that really wants to make you stop doing that process, then you probably at least need an x-ray and an opinion to see is this hip hip arthritis, is it something else? Sure. Um, Most commonly it is hip arthritis that's presenting with those symptoms. And those patients really do benefit from good physical therapy there are times when strengthening around that hip can you know still add some time to before they need to have surgery but once you get to a certain point and threshold of that arthritis on an x-ray and daily pain so it's not just the x-ray but daily pain right uh, then it, it starts to become a real conversation of am i ready for a hip arthroplasty do i need a replacement now can i wait a little bit can we do some other conservative things like injections or other uh, pt modalities mm-hmm. that can really uh, help with pain but eventually the problem is it's a degenerative condition right and uh, all things that degenerate will continue to deteriorate exactly <laughs> <laughs> an object in motion so let's say that patient you know we've talked before about the concept of prehab uh, or using physical therapy to kind of get ready for surgery um, how does that apply in this instance when we're talking about total hips 
So in total hips, especially with our more accelerated recoveries now, uh, the prehab is, is really one of the big keys. So the keys to being able to be successful with an outpatient uh, hip replacement are number one, you know, you have to have a good home environment and ability to, to you know, tackle this problem at home. So if you have a lot of stairs or you have a bathroom that's inaccessible, then it's a little bit harder and you may mm -hmm. need to make some adjustments. Sure. Therapists can help you with that. You know, yeah. they can talk through that preoperatively to say, all right, what's the home situation? What are my fall risks at home? Do I have a lot of throw rugs? Uh, do I have pets? Yeah. Uh, the things that really uh, can hinder you because of the big three things that can happen to you after a major surgery like this. Falling is probably the one that uh, we're all most vulnerable to because, number one, gravity is always working. <laughs> and number two, you're learning to walk again, you know, after a surgery. Yeah. So the pre-op PT can also help you with strengthening and then working on strategies to do things like stairs. Because I have patients who, you know, still have a second-story second bedroom, and they can get there the first day after surgery with the right coaching preoperatively. Sure. And uh, after a hip replacement, it's amazing uh, that we've gone from, like I said, patients that have been in the hospital for days. And even before that, in the 1960s and 70s, they were in the hospital for weeks. That's yeah. Wild. And I learned something when we were talking before recording this episode uh, about the different materials. And oh, yeah. you had mentioned way back in oh, the day yeah. some just things that blew my mind. Tell yeah. the audience about that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you go back to like the early 1900s, 1919, 1920, they were trying to put, you know, rubber implants in. <laughs> Uh, they tried ivory. Uh, they tried just different types of glass. One of the earlier metal implants is called an Austin Moore prosthesis, and that really just resurfaces the ball. It did nothing to change the socket, yeah. uh, but it was used a lot for old patients that had fractures. Um, so we've come a long way from that yeah. and those types of prostheses to the current uh, low-friction uh, prostheses. So that's the other piece to younger folks having uh, joint replacement is that our parts are lasting longer. Mm -hmm. uh, so on average, the materials that we use now made with titanium, uh, high density uh, polyethylene, and a lot of times uh, specialized ceramics uh, can last 30 years plus. Yeah, wow. that's amazing. We talked a little bit about post-operative. We talked about potential fall risk. What are some of the other like pitfalls or things that folks need to be looking out for after a total hip? Sure. So overall, the first thing we do in our clinic is medical screening. So mm -hmm. we want to make sure that overall your medical health is not going to present any barriers or challenges to you while you're going through the hip replacement process. So that means if you have diabetes, making sure it's well managed. Mm -hmm. If your blood pressure is elevated, make sure it's cared for. Uh, any cardiac issues. Uh, we have you know, plenty of cardiologists that we work with to make sure patients are safe for surgery first. Sure. Um, you know, trying to get some weight off if you need to. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, once all those things are, are well managed, you still have other risks and risks of things like infection and blood clots are probably the two other big risks other than falling that we, we really try to counsel patients on. So infection, you know, certainly anytime we're doing a surgery, whether it's a hip replacement or even, you know, a fingernail, because the possibility <laughs> of an infection really right. arises. Yeah. Because uh, there's bacteria on your skin. So we have our patients go through a process where they actually shower with a special soap for five days to help reduce wow. uh, bacteria on their skin. Uh, Postoperatively, we remind you, you know, after surgery, showering and using a clean towel every day. That's mm -hmm. just one of those simple things that you don't often think of. Sure. Um, but, yeah, fresh towel every day. 
special soap, uh, different things that we do intraoperatively to help reduce that risk, uh, such as using antibiotics in the IV at the time of surgery, uh, special things that we use to irrigate out the wound to help reduce bacterial loads. All those things reduce that risk of an infection. And honestly, the risk of an infection is ultra low in mm-hmm. hip replacement. It's, mm-hmm. it's far less than 1% of patients, and it's more closer to a half a percent. Wow. So while that's still uh, a small number, when it happens to one person, it's a real thing for them. Sure. And so that becomes a big process, and, a, uh, and that's the advantage of having you know, being tied with a large health system. There's still other folks that can help with that. We have infectious disease doctors, should that come about, other antibiotics and things that they can do. But, you know, the biggest thing is prevention. And prevention really ties to the patients being aware, being healthy before surgery, and then all these things that we mentioned, including, you know, specialized showers, using a, a separate towel each time they have a shower, and just being able to monitor the wound. That's one of the things I think the anterior approach really shines on is mm-hmm. that Can if you've had it. a posterior approach, you got to <laughs> kind of turn around in the mirror and try yeah. to take a look. Uh, but from an anterior approach, it's right there, right in front of you. You can see it easy in the mirror. You can see if there's any redness, any yeah. swelling, any problems with drainage. And they can get into us right away and head off even a, a small problem before it becomes a big one. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, one of the things that I tend to see is if folks do put off that hip replacement, go down that degenerative path, it's not long before they start to experience collateral issues of maybe some lower back pain, maybe some other hip pain, maybe some knee pain. How often do you see someone with that presentation and they, they maybe get a hip replacement and some of those other things clear up? Oh, several times, Matt. So I would tell you that based on what we see in our clinics, yes, hip, back, and knee are are really the big three areas where patients come in with pain. And some patients can even be coming in complaining of knee pain, and you find out from x-rays that their hip is actually the worst joint. You may have a little bit of knee arthritis. You get suspicious with clinical exam. And, you know, being able to really still, you know, focus in on what the body is able to do through a clinical exam is key. Right. So that's why, you know, not just seeing patients virtually, but actually seeing them in the office, being yeah. able to put them through some examination points that really dial that in. Because then we can get the right imaging and say, oh, you know what, your hip arthritis is actually twice as worse than mm-hmm. your knee arthritis. Yeah. So we do a hip replacement and magically their knee pain's better. Yeah. Their function gets, uh, you know, improved for for whatever uh, they were trying to gain from the surgery. And, you know, sometimes it's several years before that knee becomes a problem again. Yeah. Talk about the higher level since we're doing these in younger patients, you know, someone that might want to compete, uh, you know, athletically in pickleball or run a race or do something, <laughs> yeah. you know, a higher level um, what are their options after hip replacement? Sure. So, I mean, that's the thing that's also changed with our materials. So as the materials improved in their durability, we went from telling patients, you know, you should probably never run again unless your house is on fire. Right. To uh, <laughs> patients. I have patients that even do up to full marathons now. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have uh, patients who, you know, ride endurance bike. Um, yeah. Do, you know, 100-mile bike rides. Uh, patients who play pickleball, patients who will even play a little recreational basketball. I think the big piece to that physical activity, again, goes back to fall risk. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be mindful of what your balance is, what your stability is, put in the time with the therapist you know, before and after surgery on mm-hmm. your strength, especially your core, your hip abductors, and things that will really help uh, reduce that risk of falling because – 
um, yes, it's great to get back to activities, but you don't want you to go out and do things that you, you just physically aren't ready to do yet. Correct. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, if it's something you have done versus something that's new to you, probably makes a little bit of a difference too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Things that you have done in the past versus new activities. And, and really, you know, it's, it's part of the spice of life is being challenged with new activities, but you have to go about it in a mindful way. And that's right. where I think plugging in with a good therapist can help guide you even in the early post-op phases or even years down the road when you want to take up a new hobby. Hey, you know, do I need to get back in, see how my mobility is, how yeah. my strength is with my therapist for a couple of visits, get some pointers before I try to tackle this new challenge. Yeah, I think that's a great point that um, a lot of patients sometimes don't understand is the joints replaced, you know, how long does it take to do a hip replacement? Oh, about an hour, really. No way. So, yeah. I was expecting you I mean, to say four hours. new joint in an hour, right? But yeah. that, that muscle, that flexibility, you know, you're not going to change that in one hour. No. So. Yeah. Especially for patients who come in with a lot of mobility issues before surgery, they've gone through the degenerative phase and they really lost a lot of hip motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that's a soft tissue problem as much as it's a bone problem. Yeah. So you fix the bone problem now to get the soft tissues to function and function through their range of motion, yeah. which is important. Uh, really, you know, that's a, sometimes a 12 week to 12 month process. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think those are the patients that really, they are the ones that commit to that and see it through are the ones that really experience the biggest benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the, the, I always say I have the easy job taking about an hour <laughs> to put in a good joint replacement that should last you a lifetime. Yeah. And, uh, the patients have the hard job. They have to start to number one, believe in the process. Number two, you know, follow all the rules and three, go through the rehab and put in the time yeah. uh, that it takes to really uh, recover your whole body, not just the joint. Yeah. Well, uh, you've given some great information and you got some exciting things happening coming up here January 15th. Why don't you tell our listeners about what's going on with your practice? Yeah, so I'll be moving to uh, Mercy Health uh, location at Kings Mills, a brand new hospital, as well as a brand new clinic space uh, right over in Mason. Uh, it's just uh, down the road from Kings Island, right at the, off the exit of 71 and 741. Um, it's a brand new facility. Uh, we open our clinic doors on uh, January 15th, and the hospital will open the following Sunday on uh, January 21st, I believe that is. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. And you're accepting new patients right yes, now? Absolutely. And how can someone get a hold of you or find yeah. you? Always accepting new patients. So uh, the easiest way to schedule with me is to call our main uh, scheduling line, uh, 513 347 uh, That can get you a clinic appointment with me either at our Kings Mills location, which is at 5470 Kings Island Drive in Mason, and our suite is Suite 120, or in our Westchester office, which is uh, 8737 uh, Union Center Boulevard in Westchester. Uh, be in those offices uh, Monday, Thursday, Fridays. Uh, some Tuesdays and Wednesdays, depending on our OR schedules. So uh, look forward to you know, getting a lot of patients in, helping them through the process of either total hip, total knee, uh, sports injuries, and fracture work. Yeah. Well, I would just say for those out there looking for some, some help in this regard, Dr. Epps done a great job with patients and uh, his tremendous satisfaction. Patients love the way he takes care of them, and I think it would be just a, a great uh, resource if you have these issues or friends, family, be, be sure to check him out. You could be his 1,001 patient. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us yeah. today, sharing the information about hip replacement, and look forward to seeing where it's going to go in the future. 
Appreciate it, Matt. Appreciate it, Allie. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for Bye-bye. listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms. And until next time, keep it moving.